Most entrepreneurs waste an insane amount of time trying to build their business. They are online 24-7, sacrificing their private life and burning out in the process. This is going to end right now. Welcome to the Content Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Virginia Reassis. I'm a serial entrepreneur, copywriter, business coach, and recovered workaholic. I know what it takes to go from burnt out and overwhelmed to building a six-figure business, posting only once a week and working less than five hours per day. My secret? Cutting out all the crap that doesn't move the needle forward in your business and producing content that actually attracts clients and gets you paid while living your best life. Want to create a business and a life you love? Sit back, relax, and let your content do the work for you. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode on the Content Lounge Podcast. Today, I have a really, really special guest. Her name is Rose. She is fantastic. Like, I love her to pieces. She's my client. I'm her client. And she is just the most incredible woman. If you're not following her already, you absolutely should. On Instagram, she's from Love the Way Your Parent. And oh my God, I just love you, Rose. Thank you for being here today. I cannot wait to share you with my audience. Oh, thanks, Virginia. Thank you. So give us a quick rundown of what it is that you do. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I'm an authorized language of listening parenting coach. Language of listening is a groundbreaking parenting model. It's based on just really drawing out the strengths of the child. So it's a punishment-free parenting model. And my focus within that model is really the reparenting side. You know, this, this model is so simple. It's three simple tools that work fantastically with children. And they also work with every relationship, including your relationship with yourself. And that's such an important piece of being able to become the kind of mom that you want to be, you know, when you're really trying to show up for your kids in the best way that you possibly can. I always say motherhood doesn't leave people behind. It does not leave the moms behind. You know, it's all about us getting us our needs met as well as us supporting our children to get their needs met as well. I love that. So I've been your client for, I feel like almost like eight or nine months now. And what I really learned was I had a lot to give to my, like, I had a lot, I have a lot of love for my kids. Like, obviously I love them to pieces, but I wasn't able to express that in a way that they could receive that love. So a lot of the times I would be stressed or something. I would like, there's something at work that isn't done. And I would react in a way that wasn't the way I wanted to parent. And I, I couldn't really form that strong connection. Like, it always felt like we were in the same room and we were spending time together, but it wasn't really a true connection there. And that's one of the things I really learned from you. So can you tell me a little bit more about how that connection with kids is formed and maybe also like what you've, what you've witnessed from your clients, that difference between being in the same room, but then actually being in the same room and connected with the child? Yeah, well, I would say there's a few pieces to that, you know, and when you're talking about these stressful situations that are coming up and it feeling difficult to connect with your child, yes. So many times in motherhood, we find ourselves in fight or flight, this stress response, fight or flight, and we have no idea that that's even 
happening. We have no idea that that's what's going on. And when you're in that stress response, it's actually very difficult to connect with others. And so that's a, that's a part of what's happening. And then there's just the whole, you know, gamut of what we experienced in our own childhood, you know, as a, as a society right now, as a culture, we're starting to shift and change the way that we, that we view children and the way that we treat them. And so our defaults, especially are going to be showing up when we're in that state of fight or flight. And so it does become difficult to connect. Another piece there is again, to go back to the way that we were parented. Many of us were parented in a way where the relationship with our parent was used as currency or the emotional connection was used as currency or used to try to get you to behave, I guess is that that's the way that I would describe it. And so if this is all that's been modeled for us, then this is the way that our brain is wired. And so the other possibilities that are so available to us and so present in the moment we can't even see them. They're invisible to us because we don't even know they exist. And so this is a big piece of, of, you know, the connection. And then I think ultimately, you know, what I love to talk about is trust in the relationship. So when I work with moms, we really do work on unconditional self-trust so that you can pass it on to your children so that your child has unconditional self-trust for themselves. And that sounds scary to some people. And this is why is because we've spent so much time trying to correct what's wrong. We tried our whole childhood to correct what was wrong with us because our parents were telling us and our teachers were telling us and pointing out all the things that were wrong with us and it was affecting our relationship with them. And so, you know, we continue that with ourselves of seeing all the time what's wrong with us and then seeing all the time what's wrong with our children to try to keep them safe, to try to help them, you know, function in this world. And really humans learn best through success. So what we do, as you know, in language of listening is we start pointing out everything the child is doing right. And once they know what parts they're getting right, those are the parts that are going to keep on showing up for them over and over again, which is going to build their self-belief. And because you're the person that's pointing out all their goodness, all the things they're getting right, that's going to enhance the relationship for two reasons. One, because it makes the child really feel connected to you, but it also makes you feel connected to the child because you start to see them differently. We treat our children differently when we're pointing out and looking for everything they're getting wrong. And we treat them differently when we're like looking for and pointing out everything they're getting right. And looking for what's right and pointing out what's right is what leads to connection. Yeah. I think this is a really, really important part here. And I think if we had to take this to other forms of relationship, and this is really what, what I've been thinking about a lot recently as I was applying language of listening with my children and really seeing just like how loved they felt. And suddenly we had secret code words to tell each other how much we love each other. And I was getting snuggled. And my daughter is two and my son is four right now. And they are playing together and they're just so kind and so sweet to each other. And they share like my two-year-old, I don't think two-year-olds were supposed to have that awareness of like sharing, like how that works yet. But my son really loves chocolate and she's just fine with food. And we were out playing and then he like looked at her chocolate and I just stated what I saw. And I was like, oh, it looks like Mateo really would like, he would really like some of your chocolate. And then she looked at her chocolate. She goes like, oh, I want to eat it myself. And he could like just list the feelings. He was like, oh, I'm very sad. I'm disappointed. I was hoping I would get some of the chocolate. And then she came up by herself with that idea of like, oh, 
but I could share it with you. Then we can both have chocolate and we can both have apple. And it just blew my mind because me parenting differently gave them words to actually solve their own problems. And they're just so good at playing with each other now because, and even like when other kids are visiting, like my little two-year-old is like comforting the other kids at pre-K or like they're telling them like, oh, can you tell me that with your words? I don't understand what, what you need right now. And that just blew my mind. And if I had to compare this to like current relationships as an adult right now, I just had to learn this at like 32 year old to behave this way with my husband. Instead of just expecting him to read my mind, I'm like, oh, I need to state my needs so that he can actually fulfill them. And instead of just criticizing and micromanaging me, like you crumbled everywhere and you didn't pick up the laundry. Actually, like looking for the good really helped me in my marriage as well. And that made me wonder like, oh my God, like what was my experience in childhood probably like that I was so focused on all the things that felt like a threat, like a messy house feels is still is still incredibly dysregulating to me, but it really like blew my mind. Is that just the norm that we're all like raised in yeah where it's where everything feels like a threat when i go to other families houses now i and i observe the communication it just it, i feel like everyone seems to struggle that way is that your experience too pretty much yeah so that a whole idea of, i mean really what you're seeing is like kids are fantastic yeah. kids are so great and in that moment you didn't tell your son he was wrong for wanting chocolate you just let it be what it was and then when they worked it out on their own, like kids will shock you at their wisdom, at their love, what comes naturally to them when you just create an environment where you're not correcting them constantly and telling them everything that's wrong that they need to fix. So why do wonderful we have- little creatures, they're wonderful little beings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can really see that with my kids. It makes me feel sometimes a little bit excluded at like mom meetups because they're all just like kind of talking about how stressful it is and how much problems they have and like how much problems they have with their husbands and they're not doing their part. And I don't know, I've I've just spent the last like two years with with life coaches for moms and with you and and generally like really learning the communication. Does it all just come down to communication? Is this the the like key breaking point for all our relationships with each other, with our children. Is it just that or? Yeah, well, I would say that communication is huge, but like, what's the foundation under that communication? And so then I would go back to this unconditional self-trust and then just trusting the other person. The big issue that I see in our society today is just this whole societal enmeshment. So enmeshment is when we get all tangled up in each other and we need other people to be okay with us in order for us to feel how we feel. And, you know, we feel like other people are causing emotions in us. And there's all this mixed up, like it's like being all caught up in, in spider webs, you know, all together. And in that case, we can't come as like whole individuals to relationships. We're coming all kind of mixed up. And, and so it's very difficult. So for me, I mean, my husband's a therapist (laughs) and our relationship, he will tell you our relationship is better because of language of listening. 
And not mm-hmm. just because we can have this model that we can agree on and parent our children together that way, which is really fantastic when that happens, but because I especially learned the model so deeply and started using it with him and started using it with myself and the enmeshment in our relationship started to fall away. And so then the communication was starting to become really fantastic. And then I was trusting myself. I was trusting that my needs and my wants and my likes and my dislikes are all super important and that they're all right and that they're trustworthy and that his own likes and dislikes and wants and all those, his emotions, his emotional reactions, they're all right. And they're all a reflection of who he is, you know, and then we can be these two whole human beings who come together in a really fantastic marriage. That makes me want to like deep dive with you into like how, how to create this like beautiful atmosphere in the marriage. What definitely, what definitely stands out to me is, is this part of like, when I shifted my communication from almost being this like micromanaging person in the household being like, I I have to keep the ball in the air. Like I have to keep everything running like a clockwork and just like focusing on like putting out fires versus probably fanning the fires that are already like pushing the engine into the right direction. And like, not, yeah, like being more like focusing more on that, everything felt so much easier and felt so much lighter. My kids learned much better ways to communicate what they need. And, and, and it definitely helped quite a lot in like just keeping a harmonic environment. Now, I, I mean, there are so many different like parenting models out there from like train your kid like a dog with a clicker training. Oh boy. What do we need to understand around models like that? And also like this this desire or need for control. Because I know a lot of the times my default is like yelling or criticism when I feel like I'm out of control. So how does this all come together and 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 how does it fit together with language of listening? Okay. Yeah. So let's just go back a little bit to what you were saying about again when your communication changed. But I really want to hammer the point home that your communication changed because what you were choosing to see and what you were choosing to look for when you looked at your children changed. And that allowed you to change your language. If you think about the name of the model language of listening, it really is a way to speak to get you to hear. But again, what what's going to come first is your openness and your ability to start to see something different when you're looking at your child. Instead of seeing a kid who, you know, maybe has too much of a love for sugar or is is. I mean, some people might even say their child is selfish, you know, like, oh, look, they just want to eat everybody's chocolate, right? We have this fear that comes up in parenting. And that whole clicker-based thing, that whole clicker-based parenting, treating your child like a dog, again, that's fear-based parenting. And what happens is when we parent our children from fear, they, they learn to make their decisions based on fear. And then what do we have is we have adults who are making their life decisions, which is, you know, our, our generation, um, you know, the people that are parenting right now, most of us are making our decisions based on fear. Most of us are making our decisions based on trying to prevent bad things from happening. That's because we were raised with punishment. Punishment taught us to try to control ourselves and to try to control our environment so that bad things wouldn't happen. Instead, the way that I'm raising my children, the way that you're raising your children is to teach them how to make decisions based on self-belief, based on their abilities, based on their greatness, not in a way that's all puffed up and fake self-esteem, but in a way that, again, they trust themselves. Mm. Would you say that's like listening to your intuition? Like helping them? I think, yeah, you, 
you would listen to your intuition when you're trusting yourself. And the other thing that's important is when we're in fear, we don't have a lot of choice. And so when you're not able to choose, your authentic self can't show up in parenting. The very best mother for your kids is you, like you, the authentic version of who you are. And the authentic version of who you are shows up when you have unconditional self-trust. Mm-hmm. I really have a hard time understanding the term of unconditional self-trust. Can you give me two concrete examples of parenting, like let's say a situation, some some typical scenario, trying to get out of the house or on time or getting your kids to sleep at the end of the day and they don't want to go to sleep. What like how would parenting look like if you have unconditional self-trust? And how does parenting look like when you don't? Mm, yeah. Okay. So let's just talk about, yeah, let's talk about leaving the house. Because I think a typical thing that will happen for parents is they will, you know, tell their child, like, it's time to go, go put your shoes on, you know, and their son's like playing cars in the living room or whatever. And they're just hoping that all they need to do is ask and the child will hop up and and do that, you know. And so what do we do when we're not, when we don't have unconditional self-trust, when we're not really trusting our own boundaries and, and our own wants, you know, we will, because we're trying to be polite parents, we're trying to be nice parents, we will ask again. And then we will ask again and we will ask five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times until we completely blow our stock and lose it. Because it's like we're stuck in this either or of either I'm a nice, friendly parent and I'm, I have lots of patience. And then it's like, but I also, my kids need to do the things that I ask, you know? And so we get stuck in this, like, is it really okay? You know, how can I be the one in charge where we just don't, we feel wishy-washy, you know? And then again, we get to this point of like, we didn't hold our boundary back at the beginning. And so, and so we're blowing up. A parent who has self-trust just knows that like, and we don't just have self-trust. It's like when you have self-trust, you have trust for everybody else too, at an appropriate level. Right. And so just kind of trusting that everybody's doing the very best that they can, that everybody is just meeting needs because that's all anybody's doing. That's what the third premise of language of listening tells us, that all behaviors are driven by three healthy needs, experience, connection and power. All behaviors are driven by those healthy needs. Doesn't mean that all behaviors are healthy behaviors. It just means that the intention behind them is a legit good intention, that it's just a person trying to meet a need, but you don't have to be okay with the way they're meeting their need. I want to make that really clear, you know, but that child in that moment, who's not putting their shoes on, like, if you can actually just look and see what you have in that moment, you know, many parents are going to think like, I have a disobedient child, or I have a child that's like, you know, only interested in playing with toys, doesn't listen to me, whatever. If we can just look at that child, just be like, yeah, that, that kid just is having a good time and he's not ready to transition. And either there's time and space for you to give him a little more time to transition or it's time to leave right now. And when you trust yourself, you can pick him up very calmly and grab his shoes and get out the door and leave on time. But when you're not trusting yourself and you're waiting till you get to this point of when you explode, you might be grabbing him by the arm roughly. You might be yelling at him to get his shoes on right? Because you haven't trusted your boundaries early on. And now you've, you've allowed them to escalate to this point of this kid is never going to listen to me. This kid is disobedient, you know, all those things. Again, what are you seeing? And this is all normal, natural stuff. I don't say any of this to, to shame anybody or make them feel bad. It's just the way things go, right? And it's important. It's actually important that our anger shows up and tells us when our boundaries are being crossed. That's what anger is about. It's about letting us know when our boundaries have been crossed. So that, you know, that message is a really, really important message. And most parents don't like it when they grab their kid by their arm or yell at them. And so we want to make sure that we do have that self-trust and that trust of our own boundaries so that we're speaking up about them from the get-go. And with language of listening, we have this whole area in between where we do teach you how to use the tools with yourself to get yourself from that place of upset 
to that to the place of being able to make a clear decision based on your boundaries to deal with the situation that you have in front of you. Yeah, definitely. I definitely have noticed a lot of like really, really nice changes. I have definitely yelled at my children and I may have also grabbed them by the arm once or twice. I mean, I'm generally, I generally like how I parent and I really had to learn to regulate my emotions and not get to this point of like blowing up. There's still, I still feel quite a bit of shame around that. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have yelled or I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have just like grabbed them and been like, whatever, I'm just going to carry you screaming and fighting to the car. And I don't care because we need to leave. But you're so right. Like part of, of what I've caught myself very recently was like, maybe E has a lot of very interesting ideas and I think her need for experience is exceptionally large because she has ideas where like my son never had these ideas. Like he's never painted walls. He's never painted my cupboards or my floor. I swear to God, this kid has painted more furniture than a professional painter by now, except just not as neatly. And I caught her using like street chalk to paint my cabinets. Now you might think like, oh, street chalk, nice. You can water that away. Like, no, for some reason, like it stinks. And my cabinets now have blue shadows. But I was like about to explode. And then I was like, oh, we've got a blue cupboard. And just stating what I was seeing, which is which is one of, one of the tools I've learned from you, helped me to like differentiate from like oh she's not doing this to make me angry she's not doing like this isn't about me and it's not even necessarily like about her being a bad kid I was like we've got a blue cupboard and just like being able to like really say that with like a big sigh she looked at me and she just like repeated the same thing she's like oh a blue cupboard and then she went into straight into problem solving mode, got a rug, like tried to like wipe it away. And then she noticed oh, it doesn't go away. Oh. And she like whispered that. And I looked at her and then she looked at me and she was like, the paint is only for the floor outside. I was like, yes, <gasps> I got that through. So by like repeating that and it took zero yelling and, zero pulling on the arm and freaking out being like are you out of your mind to keep painting my cupboards she like just understood it she understood it and it never happened again and yes after that she came to me and gave me hugs she was like mommy doesn't like when I paint cupboards paintings only for outside and the table and paper And it was just so cute because my kids started developing this like deep empathy and they knew exactly what I liked and what I didn't like, but it was about the behavior, not about, not about them doing the thing. So this, this always reminds me, I went wedding dress shopping with someone from my family and that person was always like, you don't, it's a pretty dress, but you don't have the right body for it. Or it's a pretty dress, but your body type doesn't fit it. Or like, the right, it was always a pretty dress, but I was the problem. And when I had that moment with baby E, I really realized like, okay, well, my parenting communication before that was like my significant other or my, it wasn't my husband, but like my family member 
telling me I am the problem for the pretty dress rather than this dress doesn't suit you because like who's the threat like who's the more important part here like I am I am the bride I get to be the main character and we're finding a dress to fit me not the other way around and like that was such a big realization I I feel like I have so many realizations (laughs) thanks to what you've been teaching so let's presume I'm implementing language of listening amazingly (laughs) versus how I was communicating before that being like, you did this wrong. You shouldn't have painted my cupboards. And I still know that this is still happen must be happening sometimes because if I see something, I don't know, something broken, I'm like, Oh, this thing is broken. My son will instantly be like, it was my sister. It was my sister. Like, I think he's like trying to deflect blame, even if I know it was him. Because before, like, this is something I've learned recently. So he's four years old. So he's had more years of like, not so helpful communication. You're nodding. Okay. Yeah. That's what I've been thinking. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. (laughs) Yeah. So how will this impact his life later on? Like, how will he go through life? Like, what are some typical concrete examples when you've raised your kids to have unconditional self-trust? For example, if they're starting a business or if they ask for a raise or they try to decide on their career, what are, like, how will someone act who has unconditional self-trust versus someone who doesn't? Yeah, well, I'd love to share a story about my daughter. She's 11 And she started pottery classes a little while back and she just, she's right in her element. I mean, she loves it just amazingly. And so the teacher was not really so much into getting kids on the wheel, mostly just doing what they call pinch pottery, but my daughter just seemed to be really good at it. And so the teacher started her, started her in on it. And my husband was the one that was taking her to her lessons. So I wasn't seeing any of her projects until many, many weeks later when they finally got like glazed and fired and all those things. And finally they came back. And, you know, we were asking her, like, what's your favorite, what's your favorite piece of all these, she had about four or five pieces that she'd made. And the one that was her favorite was the wonky one, Virginia. And we were like, like, we were just, we were so like, our hearts felt warm, I guess I would say it was so heartwarming to see that the wonky one was the one that she liked the best, because it's the one that she did herself. And that was it. It was a reflection of what she was able to do. It was a reflection of what she loved doing, what she was capable of doing in that moment. It was imperfect, but that was not what she saw. She just fell in love with that piece because it was a representation of what she loved and what she was, what she was capable of doing. And the, the, the funky side that was falling down, it just, it didn't mean, it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean there was anything wrong with it. And my husband and I were like, dang, like, you know, so it's that kind of like self-belief, whereas some kids might look at it and start to shame themselves and feel like that piece was proof that there was something wrong with them. They might want to throw it in the garbage. They might never want to go back to pottery again. Do you know what I mean? Like there's all these things that like we can take messages from the world and feel like they're all about what's wrong with us because our parents teach us how to see ourselves. And when our parents are constantly telling us what's wrong, then this is what we see when we look at ourselves. If our parents keep pointing out what we're getting right and cheering us on to keep in, keep on in that rightness, then this is the way that we're going to view ourselves. And so this is what I've seen with my daughter. And I, hopefully I give you some hope. She was, she was five when I just started finding language of listening. And so, you know, five years later, this is where she is, this, this, this serious level of self-belief, you know, where these things don't phase her. They just, she just knows how to find joy in the world. So, I mean, 
I always tell people it's never too late that yes, sometimes it can take longer to change that wiring, to shift that wiring over to more language of listening wiring. But all these things that you're seeing in your children, you know, children don't, it's not so much that they learn from what we tell them and teach them. They learn from who we are and how we treat them and how we treat other people. They learn through modeling. They are a do as I do creature. They are not a do as I say creature very rarely. And, and then what do we do is when they don't do what we say, we feel powerless and we bring in punishment. But really when we teach them how to speak to each other, when we teach them how to view themselves, when we teach them, you know, what are our likes and dislikes and what are our boundaries, you know, and, and help them be successful at staying within our boundaries, then this is what we get. And it's beautiful. It's so good for us because we have a much easier time parenting. We can spend a lot more time just enjoying the relationship. And then instead of constantly micromanaging, and they feel safe in the relationship and they feel safe being who they are. And so they, they can bring their authentic selves. And this just means that they can enjoy life and they know what's appropriate for as far as the way that other people treat them and what relationships should look like, you know, yeah. and it's beautiful. I would feel, or I would think that this will also set them up for like a really healthy relationship with their future significant other, because they will know how to, have a very healthy way of communication and focus on what's good about the partner rather than being so nitpicky. My husband joked the other day because I was like, I feel like I'm doing much better with the micromanaging and stuff. And he just looked at me. He goes like, oh, do you think you've upgraded to nanomanagement? And I'm like, what? He goes like, no, you are getting a lot better. It is not, it, it, it has become easier to be your husband. I was like, well, thanks for that kind of appreciation, I guess. <laughs> but I, I like I understand his his sense of humor. And yeah, I just find it really, really interesting. When I look at my coaching clients, I mean, I have a lot of clients. Well, not all of my clients have their own business. And what really strikes me is that the people who move the fastest are usually the ones that already have a connection to their intuition. So they've actually learned at some point to like listen to themselves. And also they have a certain level of like self-belief. So I have some clients who will join a program and they're like, I have zero doubt that I'm going to have a seven figure business one day. I just don't see why I'm not making progress. And then it's a, it's a matter of like, looking, okay, well, what's coming up for them. But then I have other people who are like, I really want to have a seven figure business. I just don't believe I could have it. Or like they are making a lot of, or they, they've built a quite successful business. And then they feel like, I just can't believe life is meant to be this good. They kind of like have an upper limit to like the success that still feels safe. And they, and they just, they're just always waiting for that second shoe to drop. Do you feel like this is also the result of parenting? And especially us as business owners, like we understand how important that self-belief is. Is can we use language of listening to give our set our children up, for example, for like a, just a really strong self-belief that would remove these upper limits or that people pleasing or you know, that like the things that are standing in our own way when as we're building our own business? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, there's that difference between raising them to make all their decisions based on fear, which is what holds any of us back in business, really. 
right? When yeah. we're just not showing up, when we're not, when we can't move forward, there's a fear response, a stress response there, right? It's trying to protect us. And so, you know, it's that difference between, yeah, raising our children to make decisions about their lives based on fear or make decisions based on self-trust and self-belief. That's that. That's huge. That difference is huge because then you can get in. You, you, of course, you're going to listen to your intuition. It's a matter of prioritizing your intuition, really. Uh, prioritizing your likes and dislikes. You know that I talk about a lot about likes and dislikes. And maybe we can talk about, you know, how that kind of shows up, you know, from our childhood and then carries into our adult life. As there, you know, we all have this unique mix of likes and dislikes and language of listening teaches that this is, this makes up our identity. It makes up our boundaries. This unique list of likes and dislikes might sound kind of simplistic, but it's pretty amazing the way that it works once you get that foundation established. So what happens in childhood when we are raised in a home where there's punishment and in particular where the the relationship is used as currency. So the parent will pull back emotionally if the child isn't, you know, being obedient or doing as they're told. And like, this is kind of a natural thing that we do as parents too, just because we're feeling like, again, we're not really sure what to do. This is what was done to us. And we're not feeling good about ourselves. And we're not feeling good about ourselves. We can't really feel good about or connect with our children. Really, we have to get all the good stuff for us first, and then we pass it on to our kids. And so again, with children, you know, if, if we're experiencing punishment and whatnot, what we will do is we will start to lessen our connection to our identity. We will start to lessen our awareness of our likes and dislikes and set them aside and become hyper aware of the likes and dislikes of our parents and our teachers and different people so that we can maintain the relationship so that we can keep those people happy, right? So you imagine entering a marriage, for example, you know, with that mindset where like, I have to keep the other person happy. So they'll stick around. It's my job to make sure the other person is happy. There's your enmeshment showing up massively, right? And the person does not have connection to their boundaries. The person does. And so that like, you're, if your boundaries make up your identity, <laughs> you know, and that's all who you are, right? Then you really can't show up as your authentic self. Same in business, right? That's the secret sauce, isn't it? Showing up as who you truly are, showing up fully, you know, in your power and in self-belief, and then going out there and helping people and doing, doing whatever, you know, it is that you do. But if you're not sure, and you're constantly afraid of, what if I make the wrong decision? What if I do this? What if this person thinks this, right? Then you get stuck in this very tiny little, almost like a pigeonhole where you can't even move. You know, there's not that freedom. There's not that ability. There's not that ability to soar. There's not that ability to experience success, right? We're going to get out there and try different things and see which are the things that work, see which things are, are, are the right things, right? But if we're constantly focused on what's wrong, that's all we can see. And that's all we believe about ourselves. You know, if all you believe about yourself is all the things that you're missing, all the voids, that's where you're acting from. And yeah. So those things actually continue because you just believe that's who you are. I can't, I'm, I'm not good at social media. I'm not good at attracting new clients. I'm not a good coach, right? Like if we're looking at all those things, that's, that's, I mean, it's what you see is what you get. I say that about parenting all the time, but the same is true about us. And so if we start looking for like, what are the things that I got right? You know, sometimes I'll tell people like, just imagine your child has a, a, a sign on their, on their forehead that says, tell me what I'm doing right. But instead, mm -hmm. we could say, like, even in business, you know, with language of listening, with the self-coaching, we'll say, go get in front of a mirror, use the language of listening tools with yourself, but speak to yourself in the second person, speak to yourself using the word you. So imagine, and you could even do this if you wanted to, make a sign that says, tell me what I'm doing right, stick it on your forehead, go look in the mirror, maybe you have to write it backwards so you can read it in the mirror. But like, tell yourself what you're doing right, build your, like, your belief of your success, because that's how you're going to work, that's how you're going to move forward is seeing the pieces that you're getting right, and then you're able to expand them.
But again, if all you can do out of fear is see what you're getting wrong, then you're going to be stuck there. That's like the wins Wednesday <laughs> in our coaching. This is some, so this is a practice that, that in our co like in, in the business coaching that we do is so important. A lot of people will like enter a business container and they will think we coaches ask them to share every single little win just because we want screenshot testimonials. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually not true because when you focus on all the little proof that you're already on your way, like what I see a lot, a lot of coaches when they, when, when they, or a lot of entrepreneurs, when they come to me, they're like, they're so close to a breakthrough. And because they're just focusing on all the reasons, like I pitched three times and no one said yes. Yeah. But also there were two people who actually did reach out, showed interest, and it wasn't the right time frame or the right price point. So it shows that your marketing and selling is working and that's a win. Right. So like celebrating all these little wins is, is like, that's basically the same thing as what you, what you just shared with language of listening. And I can strongly encourage every single one who's listening right now. Like if you feel like, oh, what's the point? What am I even doing here? This isn't working. And so on, like ask yourself, is that actually true? And like really focus on the things, as you said, stick a little sign on your forehead, write it backwards. Tell me all the things I'm doing, you're doing right. Look in the mirror and actually look at that. And this is a practice that I will do in my business like every single week, every single week with my coaches where I'm just like telling, like, especially when I have these thoughts of like, nothing's working. Then I'm like, well, is that actually true? What proof can we gather? Like, oh, 22 people clicked on that link. So tw for 22 people, it was working. They're just not hundred percent there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, Virginia, if, we, if you did make a very slight shift though, and changed it from wins because because I think that people are going to have a different, all different definitions of wins. They're going to have different definitions of, of right too. But like just that slight shift from like what the wins are to like, tell me what you're doing right. What did you get right this week? Like it really does. It, 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 I think it shifts the thinking in a different way. Or even what did you do that you really liked? What were the things that you did in your business that you really, really liked? And again, that's getting them centered back on themselves and, you know, their self-trust. But I, I find that like, and I'm just speaking from myself personally, but whenever I see that wins, I'm just like, what's a win? Who like, like, what's a win to somebody else? Like, you know, but like, what did you get right? What's the thing that, you know, that maybe you feel proud of, but like, yeah, because to me, that example that you gave was like, well, what you got right was that you posted those three times. Yeah. I, you know, I not even the result so much, but like, cause you talk about the gold stars, right? Yeah. You talk about just do the thing and put your gold stars in there. Yeah. Make the goal something that is actually in your control. You don't know when people are ready to buy, but what you are in full control of is, did I actually show up and talk about my offer on my stories? Did I post something that I'm like really liked? Okay. Well, great. That that's already two gold stars, right? It, it's about collecting gold stars and letting those efforts add up. And if you collect gold stars consistently of like, yeah, I've worked on my content, I've worked on selling and pitching and I've practiced, like just sales become inevitable. If you keep collecting gold stars, eventually someone will buy and then the next person will come and it will just become faster and the gap will become shorter and shorter and shorter. But I really like that reframe to like, 
not saying, okay, well, when's Wednesday? Well, that's a nice alliteration. So we, <laughs> we use that in the Slack channel or like with the clients, but I will shift that language. Cause you're, you're very right. It's like, tell me what you did right and what you liked about it. I like that. So how can I use, first of all, where, where are all the places where I can find you? And then also like, what are the different programs that you have right now where moms, business women can, or business dads, we've got some men listening here in the lab, where they can get a taste test or like where they can work with you. Can they work with you one-on-one? And then after that, I also have a couple more questions for a different context. Yeah. So I'm most active on social media in my Facebook group. So people can go to Facebook and search love the way you parent. Don't worry about my business page. I'm not super active on there. Just go ahead and join the group. I do videos in there pretty much every Friday called Frustration Friday, where parents can post a frustration that they have. And I will do some language of listening coaching to give them an answer to support them and help them through that. I'm also, as you know, active on Instagram. So I'm at love the way you parent with dots in between the words and Instagram and my programs. Yes. So I have a few small programs that pop up. So, you know, Calm for the Holidays is one that I've been kind of working on a small pop-up program. But my two main programs, I have a 12-week program, which is available in group or one-to-one. And this is where, you know, we learn, I teach you how to use the three tools from language of listening, really to get grounded in your boundaries and really to start to see the greatness in your child so that you can draw it out from that child. So they are living, they have connection to their strengths, they're making decisions based on their abilities, their strengths, you know, and so when you start telling your child that they're a loving person, that they're a thoughtful person, that they're a generous person, that they're a responsible person, they just start showing up that way. Language of listening says that children act according to who they believe they are. They act according to who they believe they are. So if you want to shift a behavior, you shift a belief. And I also teach in that 12-week program how to be using the tools with yourself. And this is especially powerful for anybody who had a difficult childhood. I had quite an abusive childhood myself, and that's part of what got me into this work, wanting to support other moms, because I really want moms to, to be able to feel good about their parenting and also to be able to have those tools. It was one of the things that really surprised me about my training when I was becoming a coach. I, I took it to be able to become a coach, but also so that I could become the kind of mom I always wanted to be. And then closer to the end of the program, Sandy said, okay, we're going to start teaching you how to use the tools on yourself. And I was like, what? And that's when I really actually started to be able to sink into becoming, you know, the kind of mom I wanted to be. So there's, there's that 12 week program again, that teaches the the kind of the full gamut of the tools and, and whatnot, how to use them with yourself, how to use them with your kids. And then I have this really fun program called true confidence, which is really about establishing an unshakable confidence in your child, but also an unshakable connection between you and your child, because you are drawing out their strengths in their darkest moments. This is where we really, really dive into the strengths tool, this self-belief tool with the kids and teaching you how to pull that out in their darkest moments so that they have those strengths to draw on for life, because they have to believe they have them. Our children need us to reflect these things back, back to them. And that course will be running again in January. Uh. Yeah, so I have been in all three of those programs. I just signed up for True Confidence. I added on a week of one-on-one boxer. I've been to in True Confidence. And that was the one I actually started with because my son was always really, really shy to go into kindergarten. And he he is just the sweetest, most loving kid with a heart of gold. 
And I just knew like, okay, well, for some reason, he's just lacking a little bit of like confidence, knowing that he's strong, he's courageous, he's brave, he's valuable, he's loved, he's safe. Like, I wanted him to know all of these things, but like really not just like say it to him, but like that he actually felt that way. And I went through true confidence kind of on my own pace and Oh my God, I just loved the changes I saw in my son. He actually went like courageously into kindergarten. There's no more tears. And like the other day he came out and he he told me a story about his, his best friend. And he was like, yeah. And then he said like, oh, I'm so stupid for making this mistake. And I told him, no, you're really smart. You do this great and that great and look at how capable you are. And it just like melted my heart because he passed on all of the things that we have been working on. So I loved True Confidence. It's such a great beginner like program to start like integrating those tools. If you have a child where you're like, I really want my child to see how amazing it is like the child to see herself, himself that way, then True Confidence was a phenomenal program. And then obviously I went through the group program. I would sign up right away again, to be honest. Like, I think it's just so fun and I'm now using it for both of my kids. And I mean, even baby E with her two and a half years old is already benefiting so much from it. So I'm very glad that I found you or you found me so early on. If you are on Instagram, I definitely, I will pop Rose's group in the show notes and her Instagram as well. I love watching Rose's story. I learned so much just by watching her stories already. But my big recommendation is definitely join one of the programs. I'm excited for Calm for the Holidays because definitely I, ha- I have such an easy time going into fight or flight mode when there's like noise and dirt and like just overstimulation happening in my household. So I love cooking for a lot of people. So I have a big family gathering in our house. And also, I really just hate dirt. So I am very excited to see with my newly acquired tools this year. This 2022 was a year that I've really like taken a deep dive into what you teach. I'm very excited to see how that's going to go. So totally exciting. Let's just call it like self-trust that I'm thinking that I can actually do that. So (laughs) I will, I will get through the holidays without yelling. That's without yelling or like going to be good and happy memories for my kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you work with women, especially when you work with them one-on-one, do you only ever focus on like their relationship with the children and the relationship they have with themselves? Or do you also help for example if there are like some coaches out there or moms who who work with clients like do you help them apply these tools also in their other interpersonal relationships I don't know with their parents or with their significant others or with their clients is that something that you do in your one-on-one as well or are you focusing only on the relationship to the kid so I guess I would I would compare it to Sandy the founder's journey you know she started when she started learning all of this stuff and implementing it, you know, she recognized that, you know, this stuff really, it actually works. It actually works with kids. And then she kind of naturally started using the tools with herself. And she was like, wait a second, these tools are really like useful for me. And then it just started to like, she realized that wait, these tools just, 
work for human beings in general, you know? And so in the program, yes, we're going to start, we're going to start with, you know, that lens of looking at it through parenting, but absolutely people will bring, you know, any relationship, you know, into, into the calls, because we're talking about boundaries, we're talking about self trust, we're talking about emotions, what they're for, how to use them, how to read them, how to understand them, you know, yours and other people's, we're dropping enmeshment. So like all of those things, you know, because I feel like, you know, learning the tools from all different angles is so is so useful and value, yeah, valuable. So yes, anybody that comes to work with me, we certainly look at all the pieces of their life, you know, that they want to bring to the call and, and, you know, firstly through the lens of parenting. So, yeah. Oh my God. I love this so much because yeah, in business, it's so important as well. If you do business without boundaries, without knowing what you like or what you need, that what you're going to get is workaholism, probably a toxic relationship with productivity and you can't buy into this myth that like, oh, you just start your online business and you're going to have freedom. No, you're going to have freedom when you actually know where you start and where you end and where your business starts and where your business ends. Because if you're, I feel like a lot of us are really, really like entangled into our work and into our business. And it just kind of like seeps over into every aspect of our life. And if you don't know what you actually like and what you actually need in those moments or where your boundaries are, like you're never going to find true freedom either. So I thought it was a really, really transformative program for myself. I'm really, really happy that I really gained so many like emotional regulation skills and that I can finally put all this big love that I have for my children into words and I can set them up for a future that isn't run by people, compulsive people pleasing or overworking because they the only way they know to feel worthy is by being productive. So I'm very, very glad that I get to be a cycle breaker for them. Thanks to everything that you have taught me and that you're sharing with the world. So thank you so much, Rose. I'm so glad that I got to share you here. Do you have any last word for any parent out there or anything last thing that you want to say? Well, first I'll say thanks so much for having me. I'm just delighted that, you know, that we know each other and that we're connected. And that's been so fantastic, us really supporting each other. Because as you mentioned at the beginning, you're you're my business coach. <laughs> so <laughs> that's been so fantastic. But I think, you know, I'm just really struck by your words because I think it's so true when you say that, you know, these tools allowed you to actually finally love your kids the way that you wanted to and have them receive your love in the way that you feel it, you know, there is that step in between us and it getting to them and us being able to have those tools. Many of us, our parents never had those tools. We can know that, you know, our parents probably loved us more than, <laughs> more than we realize in a lot of cases. And so being able to have those tools to have your authentic self and the authentic love that you have for your kids actually get communicated to them is amazing. And it really does start with self-trust. Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful way to wrap it up. Oh, I'm very, very happy. Thank you so much, Rose. And I'm really, really excited to see you on our next call. So sending you much Sounds love. Sounds good. I'm excited too. <laughs> Content loungers, listen up. This is your chance to ditch the hustle and take a massive leap in your business and your income. This month, one of you guys is going to work with me one-on-one 
and together we will create a content strategy that turns you into a client and money magnet without working more. This is valued at over $2,000. And to get in on this, simply leave me a five-star review, take a screenshot and DM it to me on Instagram. Wishing you all massive success in your business. See you next week. And until then, sit back, relax and let your content do the work for you.